Whoever is listening, welcome back. My name is Grayson Man. This is the Name of the Plan podcast, episode 41. Guys, as always, thank you so much for the incredible support you continue to pour on this podcast. We are on iHeartRadio, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you continue to get your podcasts. Guys, we have reached 2,300 listeners, and it is amazing, guys. You are the reason that we have reached so much success. We have so many great things that are coming up. As always, be sure to spread the podcast, share this podcast, tell your friends and family about it if they haven't learned about this small community that we've been building. It's something special, and I'm really just excited to be along for the ride. Today, it's a lot of football and a little bit of basketball. We're going to talk Game 5 of the NBA Finals, the legendary game we had last night. It was epic. It had emotion. It had drama. It had iconic plays. We are one game away from a potential championship for a new team. Can they entail? Like, can they put themselves in NBA history? We're going to talk about Dan Campbell and why a comparison may shock you. We're going to talk Tom Brady. MCL tear hit the entire season. Is he Superman? Let's analyze that. We're going to talk about Jalen Hurts, what I have expectations for, what I liked from his rookie season, what I think you should expect from the Philadelphia Eagles moving forward. So, a lot of stuff to cover. Game 5 of the NBA Finals was last night. It was a heck of a game. Guys, when I tell you this, my brother and I are watching it. We could not keep our eyes off the screen. It was really, really great basketball. Giannis had an amazing performance as usual. He didn't have 40 points, but he was able to dominate the ball. It's always this pattern with Phoenix and Milwaukee. It was home team, home team, home team, home team, 2-2. We go into Phoenix. Can Milwaukee take that next step and take Game 5 away from Phoenix? Can they steal it from them? And in the first quarter, it really didn't look like that. Phoenix came shooting on fire. The home crowd was going crazy. There were a lot of things that were seeming to go Phoenix's way, and Milwaukee surprisingly did not panic. It seemed like it was going to be a repeat of Game 5 against the Nets where they had a prime opportunity to capitalize, and they faltered, they fell. It would be a lot on Budenholzer. There's going to be a lot of talk because I saw reports early before when Milwaukee was making their playoff run that they were going to part ways following this playoff season. And if you win a championship, I think it would be hard to convince office management, the GM, the owner, and maybe the fans that this coach brought them a championship and then they're going to cut them They're going to kick him to the curb. That doesn't seem to make sense, even a finals appearance, especially all that's happened this year. The last two years have kind of been this odd bubble of COVID restrictions and odd, awkward situations that we've had to go through. So it's very impressive regardless of how you got there, who's been there. It's really been fun to watch. But the series overall has been about just the physicality of it. In this Game 5, Milwaukee was able to make certain adjustments. They were able to contain Chris Paul. Devin Booker was unstoppable as usual, but they were able to make sure that if he's going to beat us, so be it. We got to have somebody else step up, and it didn't really seem like that. McCall Bridges played all right. Jay Crowder was fine as usual, but it was really just that. They were fine. There was nobody spectacular besides Devin Booker that stepped up. Maybe Chris Paul was going to shake off his rough couple games and step up in a big way at home, but it didn't happen. LeBron was there. Star of Space Jam, too. It's all right, movie. Stepped up. It didn't really happen. And I think for Phoenix, it was a prime opportunity to be able to up game six. Even if you're up 3-2 and you lose, you at least get to go back home to your fans. Now you're in an awkward position because usually it's the home team. You win the game six or game five. 
go to game six. The away team still got some momentum because, hey, we got the home fans behind us. We can close this out and head back to Phoenix. But now it's your backs against the wall. How does this team adjust? Because Milwaukee played an absolutely physical game. Drew Holiday, the crew stepped up to play. Drew Holiday stepped up. Chris Middleton stepped up. Giannis stepped up. It's the big three that they've envisioned since they traded for Drew Holiday. And it was really beautiful to watch. Drew Holiday had a fantastic game. He was really efficient. He, When he's efficient on offense, it's really scary for this team because he's such a great defender. He creates such pressure on Booker and Chris Paul, so they have to try to switch off of him. But when he's on on offense, ooh, it is a scary sight to behold because Milwaukee's a really dangerous team. They play really... I don't want to say that Drew Holiday's play affects how they roll, but when he's on, it seems like the entire team picks up on his energy. Giannis plays better defense. Chris Middleton shoots better. When Drew Holiday, it's that like missing piece. It's like you have a piece of this puzzle. It's like a thousand piece set. And you have a couple pieces that you know can go somewhere, but you don't know exactly yet. But when you put it in and the picture is all there, it's really beautiful to see. My analogies are kind of weird. And sometimes I just have to come up with them on the fly. But you guys get what I mean about Drew Holiday. He's such an impact on this team. And he used to be just this B-plus average point guard on the Pelicans. Finally gets his chance to be on a championship team. I'm happy that he's been playing really well. He's able to step up for this finals team. He stepped up really well in the Hawks series. He stepped up in the Nets series. This Buck squad is built for tough series. Can Phoenix, who has really been accustomed, besides being down 2-1 against the Lakers, who have had a relatively... I guess easy, not necessarily easy because L.A. was a strong team. They were able to fight and give it six games. But Phoenix was always up, with the exception of being down 2-1 to the Lakers when AD went down. They've always had the break. They've always been up. They've had this comfort. Does Phoenix play well with their backs against the wall? That's something we're going to have to find out. Does Milwaukee clinch a championship? That would be crazy because Giannis with a championship, that monkey would finally be off his back. He would able to, He would really be able to be the two-time MVP that won a ring. There would be no, well, he didn't win a ring. He hasn't been able to make a big playoff run. The criticism would almost be gone. It's just then how can he build off of that? How can the Bucks become a dynasty? And it's going to be tough because you're going to have the Nets who are going to be fully healthy again. You're going to have Boston who's going to be recovering. Philadelphia is going to try to figure themselves out. There's a lot of teams that are going to be gunning for them now. But if you can get that championship, it seems like nothing else would matter because that lives on forever. You can't take away a ring. You can't take away a trophy. Because that is history, and both of these teams are fighting to stay relevant, get that monkey off each other's back. In Chris Paul's case, this would be another playoff collapse. It would be, I wouldn't say damaging to his legacy, because he hasn't had a championship to compare it to. He hasn't had this kind of run before. It'd be it'd be a hell of a run, but would Chris Paul, a prime opportunity where LeBron and AD weren't at their best, you went through a beat-up Nuggets team. You had a Clippers team without Kawhi Leonard. It's just a series of catching breaks and then you finally get your chance and it's another missed opportunity i'm going to take the bucks in game six i think the home momentum i think it's going to be a blowout too i think phoenix is going to be finally they're going to bow down the white flag is going to come out i think booker will put on a good performance but i think the bucks at home with the series on the line i don't think that game goes phoenix way i have the bucks taking this in a really it'll be over by the fourth quarter i think i think it'll be really decided i think that the Deer District can cheer knowing that the Milwaukee Bucks will win in six. Okay, so I was researching some stuff, trying to figure out how do I make this episode, because I had a couple topics planned. I had somebody reach out to me and say, hey, can you cover this? And I said, oh, that sounds actually pretty interesting, so I will do that. So I was looking for like a third, because I knew that 
I was going to cover Game 5. I knew I was going to talk about Tom Brady because that was... We'll get into that. I knew I was going to cover this Jalen Hurts thing we're about to talk about. And then out of nowhere, I was reading... I just look... Sometimes I... When I'm just bored or I'm just doing nothing, I look up NFL or college football. And I just find which articles work. And I saw an article about Dan Campbell. And... I think in a couple podcasts ago, you can probably find it, it was probably in February. I wasn't too high on the Dan Campbell hire. I thought he was kind of a maniac. I didn't really like how he kind of came in there, like he was owning the place. He was kind of crazy. It was really a bunch of empty quotes when he hasn't really done anything yet as a head coach. It was really concerning, and I was like, oh, this is not really what I envisioned for the Lions. This is not really that great. I'm not really enthusiastic towards it. And I saw Michael Brockers. So Michael Brockers is a former Rams player. He played for Sean McVay. He said that he found coaching similarities between him and Dan Campbell. And I found that very interesting. So I clicked the article and I started reading and he said that Dan Campbell's this no BS kind of guy. And he's not Matt Patricia. I was At first I was like, damn, not Matt Patricia. That's, uh, man, I would hate to be Matt Patricia reading that article or seeing that on the news. You're watching like a podcast and you're just sitting there going, wow. They're not me, and that's the reason why. That's tough. So how bad was Matt Patricia at head coach? How disliked was he? A lot of people said he was trying to be a lot like Belichick, and that didn't fly with some of those players. I think that Dan Campbell, his energy and his wackiness, I think it's starting to rub off on the Lions in a good way. I thought that was going to be the big mystery about Dan Campbell as a head coach. Does his energy make the players dislike him? It kind of like draws them away from him, or... Do they really gravitate towards it? Do they really enjoy that someone, that a former player, brings in that kind of energy every day to work? Will that start to pay off when the Lions are potentially 1-6 and six and going through a tough struggle, going through a tough little break in their season? We will find out. But for now, it's all energy. It's all enthusiasm. I think that for Detroit, this is a year where they can finally start to figure things out. In the NFC North, where there's so many question marks, we can start with the Vikings. Can the Vikings be a consistent team with Kirk Cousins? Can they bring together, they started 1-4 and four and they finished the season off relatively well based on where they were. Can they be consistent? That's one thing. Chicago, Justin Fields. You've got a Andy Dalton situation where you're kind of confused. It's like bringing Ryan Fitzpatrick when you got Tua Tagovailoa just drafted. It's very odd. And for Chicago, it's can they Justin Fields take them to that next step? We don't necessarily know yet. They have a really, really great defense top 15, top 10 every year, can they put it all together? And then, of course, the former NFC North back-to-back is going to be Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. That's another big question. Where in the world is Aaron Rodgers? It's like, where's Waldo, but with a little more ego and a little more narcissism, Aaron Rodgers, we don't know what the heck he's going to do. It's been this big mystery, this big talk. We talked about it in the last podcast. Where is he going to go? Is he going to be in again? Is he going to end up being traded? Is he going to end up sitting out for a year? Is he going to pull Brett Favre? I, every day I have a new opinion on Aaron Rodgers. I think, oh, maybe he can play for the Packers. Oh, maybe he can retire. Oh, maybe he'll play for the Broncos in two weeks. It's really weird. And it's been one of the strangest stories of this offseason. And in an offseason where you're trying to find stories, it's been the talk of the town, especially in a small market like Green Bay. They've eaten the story up, this feud between Green Bay and and the owners, and the GM, it's just, oh, it makes my head hurt sometimes, because I'm like, oh, just get get to play football, but you saw reports he'd make a decision in a couple weeks, 
I could turn on my phone when I break after this topic and see, oh my god, Aaron Rodgers has been traded and then have to completely fix around what just happened. I think for Detroit, it's not about making the playoffs necessarily. I think it's taking that energy that Dan Campbell's had and really materializing it into something because I think that going 6-11 and or going 7-10 and is not a bad thing for Detroit, especially being competitive, having a coach that you can buy into. It's all about buying into something. I think with they're comparing it to Sean McVay and his energy and the way he approached things, I think that's really good. I think Detroit needs that kind of passion behind them. They need a coach that can really unify the locker room. Having a unified locker room is going to be so important for a team that's trying to rebuild. There's a new quarterback in the building in Jared Goff. Can he take his career to the next step, maybe in Detroit, be a competitive QB? We really don't know. There's a lot of question marks in the NFC North, and I think that's what made this article so fascinating to me, is that we truly don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if Jordan Love's going to be that next QB. We don't know if Justin Fields is going to be that next franchise quarterback. We don't know if Kirk Cousins, and it really all centers around the QBs, but I think it also just as equally matters with the coaches because Matt LaFleur, his relationship with Aaron Rodgers, how is his relationship with Jordan Love? We got um, Matt Nagy. How does his relationship work with Andy Dalton and Justin Fields? We got Mike Zimmer. Does his defensive first strategy, how does that impact Kirk Cousins? And now Dan Campbell and Jared Goff, how do they capitalize on a division with so many question marks and so many loose ends that have not been tied up yet? We'll figure that out as things play out in training camp. All right, guys, I'm going to take a short break. When we return, we're going to talk about Superman. I mean, Tom Brady with his torn MCL all season, and they won a Super Bowl, and he threw 40 touchdowns, and he beat a lot of QBs that were pretty good. We're going to talk about that and what that means for the Bucks moving forward. And then we're going to do a little bit of a QB analysis on Jalen Hurts, something I'm really excited and really going to shock you guys with what I think. I think that the Eagles are primed for something good, but we'll see. This is Grayson Man. This is Man with a Plan podcast. We'll be right back. And we are back. Guys, this is the Man with a Plan podcast, episode 41. If you skipped to see Superman Tom Brady topic or a Jalen Hurts topic, we discussed Game 5 of the NBA Finals, and we talked about Dan Campbell and why Detroit players are really gravitating towards him and what it could mean for the NFC North as a whole. So let's start with a new topic that I just found out this week, and when I saw this, it honestly blew my mind. It was like a Michael Jordan playing with his broken foot. Not, I guess, as extreme, but like you get the picture. So it came out yeah, like maybe a couple days ago that Tom Brady played his entire 2020 season, his inaugural season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, on a torn MCL. And the first reaction you go is, okay, is this just a headline grabber or are we actually, this is legit. And so a lot of people started to talk about it and became a very heated discussion. And so I wanted to put my own two cents on it, of course, because Tom Brady is one of my favorite NFL players. He was the Patriots QB for so long. And it's reported that he had this injury in his last season with New England and it carried over into his season with Tampa Bay and had surgery following his Super Bowl victory against the Kansas City Chiefs. So my initial reaction is, is, oh my God, how? I can't even like, I have a currently, I have a cracked bone in my hand and I can't even carry my iPhone without going, ah, ow, 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 or something like that, like, like a wuss. I can't imagine if my knee, part of my knee was torn up and I played football. 
Like, that's crazy to me. First of all, I think the NFL is going to get involved in this because you have to disclose your injuries. It's not really how it works. You can't just not tell the rest of the teams that your quarterback's got a knee injury because I think there's some rules. There's some things about how this works because obviously you can't just say a player doesn't have an injury. There's like a safety reasons. There's a lot of stuff that you can't really do. So Tampa could get in trouble and people will go, oh, it's another Brady conspiracy or something like that. But it's really not a big deal, guys. It's just a knee injury. Let's calm down. But while I say it's just a knee injury, let's calm down. Let's look on the other side of things. Let's look at what Tampa Bay did this year. And I'll list it off. So Brady threw for 40 touchdowns. He, I think he, don't believe he threw for 5,000 yards, but I could be wrong on that. He beat, he didn't win his division. He lost, The division was won with the Saints. He beat Drew Brees in the playoffs. He beat Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. He beat Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. Let's let's group those three together. Let's easily assume that those three QBs are going to be Hall of Fame bound, probably all first ballot. He took down a Washington football team defensive line that was one of the best in the league this year. Another, another casual thing for Tom Brady. And then another great thing was that he, uh, well, he just casually won the Super Bowl 31-9 against the Kansas City Chiefs, who were hailed as one of the greatest offenses ever with Patrick Mahomes in company. And now you can say, yeah, the defense really did win in that game, but Brady also tossed multiple touchdown passes in that game, led the Tampa Bay offense, multiple drives. He did what he had to do. He won seventh Super Bowl at 43 years old. Now, part of me doesn't want to fawn over this for the entire section of this topic, I wanted to talk about what this means for Tampa Bay in the future. So for Tampa Bay, they had a very successful offseason. They were able to re-sign all of the free agents, all of the key signings. They got Antonio Brown back. They got Chris Godwin back. They got their offense back. They were able to restructure some deals, restructure some contracts, and figure it out. So they're going to be primed and ready to go for year two, potentially a back-to-back year. Now, Tom Brady will be assumed, as we assume, Tom Brady will be A, healthy. You have the playbook memorized. Could the Bucks really do something special here and form another dynasty with Tom Brady? I'm really going to throw that out there because Tom Brady isn't showing any signs of slowing down. He's going to be fully healthy. He's going to have all of his weapons back and more familiar with a playbook that he didn't really necessarily understand the entire year. I think that's really, really dangerous for the rest of the NFL to find out. And maybe it's just a confidence destroyer, just to shatter the rest of the NFL's confidence and their, themselves and make it like, wow, we can't even beat him with a with. We can't beat him with a bum leg and a bum knee. Like, what, what's going on here? I think it's really important for Tom Brady and the Bucks to capitalize on a lot of things. They have a great defense, a young core. They're able to get everybody back. I just wanted to talk about how insane this was because I can't even, like, walk outside with a sprained ankle or something like that. But Brady to play football in the Touring MCL is spectacular. It's the stories you hear in The Last Dance where Jordan goes, I'm playing on a broken foot with my limited minutes. You can't tell me what to do, man. Is crazy. I love it. It's a great. It's a great story, and it's another cog to the legacy that I think we need to add to Tom Brady because it's something so fantastic. So, just I think it's mind blowing. It's putting me in awe of how great he is, and I think we don't appreciate it enough. And if you're rolling your eyes right now because this is like a Tom Brady, I'm just fanboying over here. I I challenge you to find another NFL player. I could list only one: Philip Rivers, who played. An AFC Championship game on a torn ACL. Deshaun Watson played against South Carolina on a torn ACL. Players have done this before, but to play an entire season, those are just one-game instances. Clay Thompson going to shoot free throws on a torn MCL, ACL. I think his knee was completely just, just destroyed in that Raptors series. He went back out of the field or the court, shot two free throws, and then exited the game. 
it takes guts because your body is in a weak position. You're mentally, it just shows how tough you are. And I think if anything, it shows that it's possible, but I think the NFL is not going to like this because of, oh, that's not how it works. Tom Brady, you probably should have sat out or something like that. The Bucks may get fine. They may have to lose draft picks. We'll see how that part of the story unfolds, but I think I just want to talk about how impressive that, that potentially is. And it's just so fun to talk about because you just go, how? How did he do that? The awe of it, the the shock factor, the shock value of that story is something that's very important and something I love to talk about. All right, so I got a request from somebody this week about just ideas for a podcast. And he said, hey, you should talk about Jalen Hurts. And I was thinking, yeah, I'll talk about Jalen Hurts. I can do that. So I wanted to start with him in Oklahoma and just like, how did we get here? So Jalen Hurts is currently the starting QB for the Eagles. And for a lot of reasons, it was very unsure of me of what and how I was going to approach this topic. And I apologize for the car that just passed on by. How do I approach a topic about a QB that's only played a couple starts? And I really didn't even know how to chalk up his starting record as a QB. It was like one and two, but he came in for one game against Aaron Rodgers. He came in the game... He came out of a game in a controversial Washington football team game where the NFC East was in shambles and Doug Peterson ultimately lost his job. So I wanted to figure out what were Jalen Hurts' expectations for year two because the Eagles are classified as currently a mess right now. They have a coach that not everybody believes in. What are the expectations going forward for Hurts? So I looked at some of his highlights. I looked at some of his tape. I watched some YouTube videos to see what are people saying and the stuff that I found that I loved about Jalen Hurts. I love Hurts' athleticism. I love that he's not panicking when the pocket breaks down. He's willing to sit there. He's willing to make good intermediate throws, good decisions with the football. He doesn't like a Johnny Manziel where the pocket immediately breaks down. He's like, oh crap, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. And he scrambles out and tries to find his target. I like Jalen Hurts' deep ball. I think he's got nice touch. A stronger arm than I thought, but not the, not the most incredible arm in the world, but something that is able to get, you're able to see some zip on it. You're able to see that he can provide some nice touch on the ball. Very impressive stuff. I like that he doesn't seem to really be rattled by what was the quarterback controversy with Carson Wentz. He handled that like a pro. And I think the most important thing, there's two aspects of football with playing the NFL. Can you play and can you handle the spotlight? Can you handle the drama that comes with it? There was a lot of drama with Carson Wentz. There was a lot of locker room division. Doug Peterson, who do I pick? And Jalen Hurts handled it like a pro. He went out there every week and just played solid football. He never lost you games either. I think that's going to be really important for the Eagles this year is that you have a quarterback that's not going to put the ball in harm's way. He's going to make good decisions. He's going to be really athletic. And I think that he's going to be a fan favorite because he's not going to cause a lot of controversy. He's going to be humble, down to earth, not going to lose you games. He reminds me of a Alex Smith, but a little bit more athletic. He makes good decisions with the ball. He's not going to wow you with his arm, but he can really put it in tight spots and put it where it needs to be. Some dislikes that I have about Jalen Hurts is that the small sample size and how it carries over into year two, because it's technically going to still be his rookie year. And how does that carry over, especially after a game? How does that mentally carry over when you were kind of switched out for Sudfeld when you were playing really well? You had two rushing touchdowns. You didn't make many mistakes that game. How does this carry over into year two? where a lot of people are going to be counting you out, and you're playing in a division with a lot of question marks. That's also something that I want to point out, is besides Washington, we don't really know how the NFC East is going to be. Does Dallas become an offensive powerhouse with a struggling defense again? Does New York, how do they carry themselves with Daniel Jones and this new squad of theirs? We know who Washington's going to be. They're going to be a strong defense. They're going to be a strong defensive line. That'll be games where you want to see Jalen Hurts do well. You're not going to have high expectations for them, but you want to see him do well. 
I think for year two for the Eagles, I think it's very important that Jalen Hurts steps up. He makes better decisions with the ball and just slings it. They're not looking to make the playoffs. They're not looking to wow anybody. They want to be competitive. They want to be smart with the football. They want to make decisions that are going to benefit the team moving forward. They want to see how Devonta Smith plays a role into this. I think Hurts is going to ball out, but I don't think Philadelphia as a whole is going to be a very good team. That's my prediction overall for Jalen Hurts. And I think that Philadelphia is going to be very happy with what they see. I think early on you're going to see some growing pains because he's still going to be technically a rookie in terms of playing games. But I think he's going to overall pan out to be what the Eagles want to have as a starting franchise QB. All right, guys, that was the Man with a Plan podcast, episode 41. I hope you enjoyed. We talked about so many great things. I'm excited to be back. Tomorrow is my birthday, so I'm very excited to celebrate that. Guys, consider subscribing or leaving us a five-star review to let us know you enjoyed what you listened to. This is the Grayson Man. This is the Man with a Plan podcast. Thank you, and as always, take care. Mm-hmm.